Forgotten Flicks, episode 124. The Princess Bride, 1987. I don't see anything. Oh, well, I, I could have sworn I saw something. I, no matter. <laughs> What's so funny? I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. First, let's drink. Me from my glass and you from yours. <laughs> you guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. I switched glasses when your back was turned. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, the podcast remembering the movies you grew up with and proving you also fell victim to one of the classic blunders because you downloaded this podcast. I am Joel, joined by that lovable, hairy Sicilian himself, Jason. Never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line! (laughs) I don't, I don't know why, but I think that may be my favorite scene. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Vincini is one of my favorite characters in this movie, but yeah. One, He's of, great. one of many. <laughs> so my Good evening, my friend. Thank uh, you so much for joining me here. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to cover this movie today. And yes, as am I, though. I just had a realization. This is the surprise. We're, recover- we're covering two Rob Reiner movies back to back. I know. I... I I recognized that when I was doing my research today is that uh, I realized it after as soon as we finished uh, watching Princess Bride, we have it on DVD. I hadn't watched it in a while, but I was watching some of the extras and they mentioned Rob Reiner just came off of the hit Stand By Me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's a there's well, we'll get into this, but there's this period where he was kind of the hot shit for a while. But, so, yes. And, and, yeah. and more than just a meathead. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ask Archie. So before we get too deep up Mr. Reiner's rabbit hole, would you like <laughs> to hear the trailer? Yes. And I specifically stayed away from this one because I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen the trailer. Okay. I may have uh, at some point kind of watched it mm-hmm. on YouTube or something, but it's been a very long time. So, well, I guess not very long because YouTube's not that old, but uh, I stayed away from it on purpose because I wanted to hear it tonight as gotcha. you played it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah. without further ado. <coughs> I brought you a special present. What is it? A book? This is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today I'm going to read it to you. I'll try and stay awake. Wesley had no money for marriage, so he packed his few belongings and left the farm to seek his fortune across the sea. Lavore, the land, gave Humperdinck the right to choose his bride, 
the fabric will make the prince suspect the Gildarians have abducted his love. I never say anything about killing anyone. I just happened to look behind us and something is there. He's obviously seen us with the princess and let's therefore die. Pick up one of those rocks, get behind the boulder. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock! I was not a sportsman that. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder. I'm swapped. What did you read me this thing for? Well, who says life is fair? Where is that written? Fencing, fighting, chases, escapes, giants, monsters, torture, revenge, true love, miracles. I'm retired. I might kill whoever you wanted me to miracle. He's already dead. I'll take a look. Bring him in. It's a nice fault being the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. Huh. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. So listening to that trailer, it said trailer on YouTube. I downloaded the MP3. It sounded like a trailer when it started. But having listened to that trailer, I'm like, that sounds more like somebody put together a series of clips. Yeah. Because it didn't have the uh, The Princess Bride, a Rob Reiner well, film. It didn't have the ending, but it definitely had the beginning, you know, the the uh, introduction. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It, just, it, fe it felt a little haphazard there, but maybe, maybe it was what it was. Also, I don't know that if one were to actually watch that trailer, that you would quite get the classic nature of the movie yeah like you might if you had no idea about this movie and you watch that trailer just from listening to that trailer i'm almost, you might not get it you pretty yeah. much would be like okay what I, what's the big deal <laughs> it's got colombo and kevin arnold in it i don't <laughs> other, other than those two and and it really what the hell's going and, on and, and 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 kevin arnold playing i was at hardball on his commodore 64 or whatever it was oh yeah yeah yes <laughs> no it was was that so I was gonna say speedball, but I'm pretty sure that's a drug. No, it was it was whatever the baseball game was for mm -hmm. Atari or I actually looked it up. I just don't remember what it was offhand. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember seeing it. My friend down the street had it in the mid to late eighties, late eighties, I guess. Uh he had that video game, but I was never a baseball fan, so it was kind of slow and Yeah, the 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 actual according to Imdaba on their trivia, it was a game from nineteen eighty five. And I'm scrolling, scrolling. Probably could cut all this out. We'll most likely do that. <laughs> scrolling, scrolling. Damn it, where did it go? Oh, but, well, side note, Iocane powder is a fictional poison. 
Scrolling. <laughs> Scrolling. Dear God. Apparently this was not a high. They got Control a F and look for ball. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Oh, I was right. Hardball. Oh, okay. Video yeah, baseball a... game. The grandson is playing during the first scene is Hardball. Produced by Accolade Inc. in 1985. It was widely available in the mid-80s for the Commodore 64 computer system. It was a yep. one or two player game. The sound is not from the actual game, but later added. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That yeah, yeah, it looked like the high style graphics of the time, uh, which was right next to virtual reality. I mean, like right there. And in the category of WTF, Whoopi Goldberg campaigned for the role of Princess Buttercup. <laughs> don't see it. Love you, Whoopi. Just don't uh, see it. I like Whoopi. In a lot of things, but not Princess Bride. No. Not even. Not even close. So, would you like to unroll the synopses for this particular motion picture, Jason? Yes. Actually, this is a fairly simple one, because I sat down to think how I was going to talk through the synopsis of this. And the core of it you heard in the trailer, which is basically uh, Fred Savage plays a uh, ill grandchild. Uh, he's basically a kid sitting there playing his video games, home sick from school. Other than, the, other than the, I don't mean to interrupt you, but other than the cough, I, of course I meant to interrupt you, but I, I apologize for interrupting <laughs> you. Uh, the, the, the cough, other than that, did he seem sick to you at all? <laughs> he, he seemed kind of faking. So I assumed it was a, I need a day off from school. That's what I got. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't just me. Uh, gotcha. Yes. So he wasn't really, really sick. He was just kind of tired and kind of hanging out in bed, playing his video game and his mom was taking care of him. And then his grandfather played by Peter Falk comes in and brings him a gift. And it looks like a video game box and he's all excited. It turns out, hmm. ah, damn it. It's just a book. <laughs> so, um, his grandfather then begins to read him the story of the princess bride, which is, what we follow for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So the core of it is really the grandfather passing on a story. And as we heard in the trailer, it's a story his father read to him. Yes. His grandfather read to his father, his father read to him, and he read to his father. And apparently in this part of the story, uh, Fred Savage's father is non-existent because then why wouldn't his father be reading it? Because it's mm. father to son. Oh. Suddenly, this movie takes an even darker turn. <laughs> so, um, but he reads them the story of the Princess Bride, which is the bulk of what we actually see. And that's the story of Princess Buttercup. Like, she's the core element. And uh, she, in the beginning, falls in love with uh, her young farm boy, Wesley. And, and how do you know you're in love with somebody? Uh, because wish. you order them around. As you wish. And uh, treat them like a farmhand. As you wish. As you wish. As you wish. <laughs> you just say that over and over again. As you wish. In case you missed it. As you wish. <laughs> yes. But at one point, you have to say it very sultry. Mm hmm. Uh, because then that wins her over. Because sure. everything else, she's like, fetch me that picture. Yeah. And he's like, as you well, wish. Well, can I ask you a question? Everyone... So, in your version, Princess Buttercup was played by Cartman? <laughs> Give me that picture. Hey, Patty, Pitty, please. Give me my picture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Synopsis. That's <laughs> quite, quite all right. Uh, Princess Buttercup is played by uh, one Robin Wright. Mm. Um, who uh, is, formerly known as Robin Wright hyphen pen. Even she, well, I would say even she's smart enough because I'd play she's not smart. She's obviously smart, though. We'll give her that one discretion. But realizing that the pen would probably eventually be dropped, she made sure she kept her original name. And hyphenated uh, yes. it. Yes. She was married to Sean Penn. Oh yeah, Robin Wright Penn. 
Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. Yep. Um, for uh, those of you who haven't seen The Princess Bride, you probably know her from Forrest Gump. She was Jenny. Or, <laughs> sorry, I'm choking on tea. <laughs> That's what I feel about that movie. <clears throat> Just kidding. She Damn. Was, she was. I won six Academy Awards. <laughs> oh, well, then. Well, oh, you're right. And that's the criteria. The English Patient, greatest movie ever. Oh. <laughs> Je- Je- Jenny. That's what yeah, I was trying um, to say. She was also <laughs> in, um, most recently, is in uh, House of Cards. So the uh, Netflix. Oh, that's re- right. Yeah. Yep. She's doing really well. So uh, she plays Princess Buttercup. And her story is she falls in love with the farm boy. Uh, he gets killed by the dread pirate Roberts. And then Prince. Humperdinck, who is second in command after his old man is about ready to die, uh, decides to choose her for a bride after she kind of goes into mourning. Um, The side stories are kind of parallel stories going on that you have one Inigo Mentoya, who is played by Mandy Patinkin, and uh, he is a young boy whose father was murdered by a henchman of the prince, and then he's on a venge quest for the next 20 years and and thus triggering for the last almost 30 years people who see this movie oh my god say ad nauseum (laughs) my name is Inigo Montoya you killed my father prepare to die and it's because it's (laughs) awesome that's why that is one of the greatest lines in cinema history okay I have a story about that are you ready sure (laughs) it is one of the greatest lines in cinema history i love it it's something that has deep meaning for me because i am a huge fan of this movie and a six-fingered man actually murdered your father and then you went um on a quest for 20 years no no not hardly um at one point uh someone gave me a gift certificate to a website with all kinds of movie stuff on it and Mm -hmm. i bought a t-shirt that has on the chest it has a sticker that one of those stickers you wear when you go to a convention or to a training class that says hello my name is Mm -hmm. and then in the bottom you write your name right Mm -hmm. so this is part of the shirt it says hello my name is Inyano Montoya you kill my father prepare to die written in like pen Mm -hmm. sharpie hilarious very very cinema meta so I love this shirt Uh, I wore it to work one day on a casual Friday Mm mm-hmm and uh, I wore this. It's innocuous. I thought it's barely noticeable. It's all black shirt with just this little sticker on it. Uh, I happened to go to a meeting with a top-level director of the company that I work for uh, who had never heard the line before and was somewhat disturbed that there was the line, prepare to die. Are you frigging kidding me? <laughs> Not a lick. I am absolutely, absolutely... 100% telling the truth. Um, you know what You know what I would do as a, a result of that? I would have stood up very calmly. I would have gathered my belongings. I would have looked at said individual and I would have said, Asshole! Pardon my French, but you're an asshole! And then this is what you would have heard. That's a crowd cheering, by the way, not just white noise. That's like no, the worst no. crowd cheer ever. Listen to that thing. It sounds like white noise. Like somebody somebody pulled the coax cable off your TV. Oh, my God. Sounds like a storm. Uh, Yes, uh, I actually had that happen. This was probably about two years ago. The funny thing is that I want to say it was about a year ago. This story started circulating around Facebook about someone who was on an airline who wore a shirt with that on it. 
If you and tell the, me that they were pulled aside for potential terrorist affiliations, I'm, I'm really going to just go ahead and quit everything. Okay, I'm not exaggerating. This really happened. Uh, the flight attendant came up to the person wearing the shirt. He was on the flight already and asked so him to made, well, please, so, Wait, wait, wait. So this obviously dangerous individual who likes to wear it on his shirt got through screening just fine. Yes. Hmm. Got onto the flight, hmm. sat in his seat. Hmm. Flight attendant came up to him and said, sir, and, and I'm paraphrasing the quote here, but this is, I'll find the story. Uh, the flight attendant came up to him and says, sir, there are, there's someone on the flight who's seen your shirt and is very concerned. Could you please turn it inside? Oh down? my God. So, well, so follow the logic because no, let's, wait, let's, no, let's, let's, no, let's, let's no, give, okay, go, go, wait, go, go, wait, go ahead. Wait, 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 the person in the seat next to him started busting out laughing so hard they almost had to leave the flight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, and but, started making comments to the effect of, you've got to be kidding me. This is the greatest movie of all time and uh, a few other choice words. Well, but well, not well, the guy wearing it, the guy next to him. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway... And Yuna Montoya is uh, uh, the guy that's grown up looking for the murder of his father. You've also got Vincini, who we already mentioned, played by Wallace Shawn. The uh, Sicilian! He is, he's the Sicilian, and he's kind of uh, the ringleader of the, the brains. three. Yeah, he's the brains of the three thugs uh, who are um, Inigo, uh, Vincini, and then Andre the Giant. Yes. Uh, actually plays. Bezik? Um, Fezzig, yeah. yes. And uh, the three of them are sort of the hired thugs in the beginning. Um, Vincini, as we heard in that little clip, falls out of the picture. And then <laughs> Inigo and uh, Vincini, I mean, uh, Fezzig, uh, become the Dread Pirate Roberts crew. So somewhat, of. yes. Sort of. They become his his buddies. So the three of them uh, then work. The part of Prince Humperdinck is played by Chris Sarandon, who we have covered already yes. on this show. Uh, he was in Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, that's Child's cool. Play. You know, I'm surprised we never covered Child's yeah. Play. I kind of thought that would be something we'd ever already hit. But yeah. uh, what the hell's wrong with us? I know he was in Fright Night, uh, 1985. He was kind of the king vampire. Yes, he was in that one. Um, and then also he was in uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, so he was. You uh, know, I have a bit of a shameful thing to admit. I don't think I've ever seen that in its entirety. Really? No, I don't think I have. And I don't know why. Like, it's kind of like a War of the Roses scenario. Like, I remember pieces of it. Yep. But I have this feeling I've only ever seen maybe 20 minutes of it. And I don't know why that is. Like, James and the Giant Peach saw that. So, from the same, I believe the same director, right? Selig, is that his name? Something like that? Oh, that was Tim Burton. You, Tim Burton produced both of those. I don't think he directed Nightmare. Go back I'm... and... Are fairly you? certain he directed Nightmare. Okay, maybe he did. I am he, well, James and, the, James and the Giant. James and the Giant Peach. He did not. That I know. Okay, because I remember um, it was. I think he produced that one. I yeah, think. he probably produced it. But I'm almost a no, dude. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. Can we can we put a wager on it, please? Please, no, no, please, please. Because it was uh, he okay. wrote it. He did not. Uh, do it. The same director directed because Henry. It's Henry Selick. Okay. I was close, not Selig. But he Selig. wrote it. Okay. That he did makes write. Sense. Yeah, it was very much like it says called Tim Burton's The Nightmare. That's probably what you thought that. It says on the poster, Tim Burton's <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. How about that? You're the director of the movie, and the dude who wrote it and produced it is such hot crap that he gets his the, name goes on it. He gets the John Carpenter's <laughs> sort of moniker. <laughs> yes. Like your name's not even on the poster. Yeah. 
because there was another Nightmare Before Christmas. We need clarification that this is Tim Burton's The Nightmare, not the original. Yes, as opposed to that cl- the other classic that everyone, what? Not the black and white version. Yeah, though, you know, the one that Jimmy Stewart did all the voices yeah. in. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, because yeah. Henry Selleck did Nightmare. He did James and the Giant Peach. Okay. Uh, probably the thing he's best known for, Monkey Bone. Nice. Didn't he do? Uh, there was another stop motion that came way after them. That Cor- was Coraline. Uh, Coraline. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which uh, is a so ga- that whole game stop and, motion yep. genre he did. But uh, yeah, Tim Burton wrote it, and uh, Chris Sarandon did the voice of Jack Skellington. But it's actually one of my favorite movies. I could watch it over and over, and I watch it with the kids. Uh, we watch it multiple times throughout the year. Um, part of it is that Danny Elfman did. Uh, the music, mm-hmm. and he's the singing voice for Jack Skellington. But it. uh, it's it's a lot like a really really good Broadway musical mm-hmm. because all of the different scenes and sets are um, a song. Oh man, Everything look at this cast, dude! Holy, um, it's amazing. Catherine Harris in it. I mean, William it's, Hickey, uh, Glenn Shaddix, who was in Beetlejuice. Remember, he played. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it? Oh, was it not Otis? Who was it? Was his name Otis the designer? Yes, yes, the uh, the really kind of freaky one that had the friend was in touch Ot- with the— uh, Yeah, was it Otis? I think so, something like that, yeah. yeah. And then Paul Rubens, Pee-wee? Oh, wait, no, Odo? Uh, Otto, Otto. I knew it was, uh, yeah, it was Otto. Otho. I think, uh, Otho, it was Otho. Or, Otho or Otto? I don't know, I think it was like Otto. It started with an O, I know that. Weird. It was something weird. Yeah. Anyway, Ken yeah, Pee-wee was in it as one of the three trick-or-treaters, Lock, Shock, Greg and— Greg Proops, dude, I even know Greg, Greg Proops is great, that's awesome. Yeah. Why the hell it's, have I never watched this movie from soup to nuts? What is wrong with me? No, it's it's really, really good. And the music is good. I mean, this is one of those that I could actually listen to the soundtrack without watching the movie. And the, and the music is phenomenal. But I'm a I'm a gigantic fan of Danny Elfman. Uh, I love you have a man love crush. On da- you have man so, crush on Danny Elfman. I do have a full on. So um, Oogie Boogie is one of my favorite. So, would you, so here's a question, because my kids are actually asking me about this. I was like, OK, just in case, you know, daddy doesn't completely fall down on the job and, and I do expose them to this movie proper. Better at Halloween time or Christmas time? Oh, man. Tough. Really tough. Um, My knee jerk was Christmas time. We watch it more at Christmas. We okay. watch it more at Christmas okay. because it has more of that. What if Christmas went wrong? God, it's more the feel. It's even though the, the world that they're in is that Halloweeny kind of world. Because the thing is, there's plenty of dark Christmas stories. I mean, yeah. Ghost you know, stories whole, were I mean, notorious. If you, for don't know this, if, if you don't know the story of it, it's basically Jack Skellington is the king of halloween town yes and he's getting and he's getting bored with halloween i remember that and so he kind of walks you know and and searching for something and he trips into christmas town and he falls in love with the ideas and decides that he's gonna do christmas this year instead of santa got it so he comes back to his town but all the people in his town are halloween centric and they don't get it like he does i remember the best thing though i do remember and i know it was in the trailer too is when the parents come up to the kid and his backs to him and they say something about, oh, what did Santa bring you? He turns oh, around, he's got the, Santa? Yeah, the yeah. shrunken head or whatever in his stuff. That, yes. that was awesome. <laughs> yes. And that's towards the end of the movie when uh, Jack is actually playing the role of Santa Claus, and but everything is going completely awry. It's much more Halloween-like. But um, but it's it's really, a, either one would fit. Okay, um, okay. But it's a fantastic movie and it's, it's And even the good, good news is that's the movie we're covering right now in Forgotten Flicks. <laughs> It is. It is. It is. And I, I told you, this is a hard movie doing Princess Bride because there's so much 
uh, connection. Wouldn't to that it. be so weird? Well, well, well uh, just not to give anything away, because I'm not going to say whether 100% what my rating was for this motion picture. <laughs> but I will say this. Let's say, hypothetically, we both really love it. Okay. And yet we never really talk about it. We just talk around it the entire <laughs> episode. <laughs> and we don't get to We just it. go off all these things. Like, <laughs> look, you guys know it's awesome. So then Wallace Shawn was in this thing. Oh, oh, and- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, on that note, I should finish my synopsis. <laughs> yeah, but that might be a good <laughs> That's it. The whole episode should just be your synopsis. Really and we'll just be. go down these rabbit trails. That'd be great. <laughs> so I'd listen to that. Uh, so anyway, Prince Humperdinck, uh, played by uh, Chris Sarandon, is the main bad guy in this. And the whole story, I'm going to blow a spoiler here for you. We've had our spoiler alert. Please. We have. We have. So Wesley in the beginning is the farm boy that Buttercup is in love with. Uh, He disappears and the book and the story tells us that he was captured by the Dread Pirate Roberts Mm -hmm. and the Dread Pirate Roberts takes no prisoners. Mm. So Buttercup assumes he is dead and mourns uh, terribly. I mean, she goes into a deep depression. She just doesn't care about life. And so Humperdinck says he's going to keep her as his bride and marry her. Uh, At one point, that's when... Uh, Vizzini, Fezzik, and uh, Inigo kidnap her because we learn that Humperdinck is trying to plan a war with Gilder, between Gilder and Florin, and they're going to uh, you know, get into a war so that Humperdinck has his fame. Uh, and what they're going to do is kill Buttercup. Along the way, the Dread Pirate Roberts shows up, who we learn was actually Wesley. Uh, because it was this kind of, they carry on the title. (laughs) They carry on the title, uh, but it's different people over time. So the Dread Pirate Roberts is just something that each person gets passed on, but there's this mystique around it. So the rest of the movie is really uh, Wesley trying to save Buttercup with his two buddies uh, and save her and and have a happily ever after ending uh, within the context of this book that Peter Falk is reading to Fred Savage. It wasn't until you just said that about them all being buddies that it really hits me. Other than the fights that Wesley has initially. Which him, I would argue are buddy fights. They, they, they are, but I mean, because they're all very polite and cordial and honorable about it. It's not but, even that. It's, it's almost like when, when you and your buddy fight or wrestle. Yes. Uh, that's what it was because there was never a feeling of danger or actual death in them. It was just until, more of until a, he goes just a little too far and you're like, no, I'm going to show this. Song. <laughs> and then, and then someone gets their arm broken. I know how it goes, but, but no, but, but here's the, the only catch to what you just said. They're not friends prior to that. So it's obviously part of the humor of the way they, they interact with each other. But what I'm getting at is, so you had that, those moments, right? Right. Do they really interact together again until, Fezig and Inigo Montoya, I just want to say his whole name, go and get him? Um, They don't accept for this. The buildup, so in the very beginning, uh, well, not the very beginning, in the part where the three bad guys kidnap Buttercup, uh, the very first segment, they drag her off the horse, they get into the boat, and they start sailing away. Mm-hmm. From that point is when uh, Wesley, mm-hmm. played by Carrie mm-hmm. Ells, uh, starts tracking them. From that point, you kind of get the interplay that they're okay. No, no, no. I, I like, don't disagree with any of that, but I'm just getting at for them to have the story, because they do, they really had this sense of camaraderie when they stormed the castle, spoiler alert. Yeah, 
But yep. what I'm getting at is there's really very little character buildup. Now, it's not like this is real world. It's got a root. This oh, is, doesn't seem fantasy. like it's, total, no, it's a it, total fairy tale, but I'm just saying, you get what I'm saying? Like it's, I never yeah, really no, no, I agree. how little they have time together prior the screen to screen time. Yeah. Their screen time together for throughout the entire movie is very little. Uh, the three of them together are actually all three of them together are only really in the miracle max scene mm -hmm. when he's dead, they find him and take him to miracle max. Yeah. But that's and not them interacting, right? No, no, that's I'm just saying that's yeah. three of them on screen together. Yeah. Then they start interacting when they go to storm the castle. Sure. Uh, and even in the storming the castle piece, they, they really up. separate. Yeah. Right. So there isn't much. But what I'm what I mean by the boat part is I get the sense, especially from when Vizzini is is derogatory and nasty towards his two henchmen, uh, that they are good people. Yes. And that when the when Wesley is following them. He is good people, too. So they're like the only three in the movie because, I mean, there's a lot of big people in this, but it's a very small cast mm -hmm. uh, overall mm -hmm. that, the, that the three of them are the three light characters. They're good people. They're they're uh, morally superior to everybody in the film, even really to Buttercup because she gets kind of nasty at a couple points. But um, that so they bond off screen together. If that makes sense. Now, yeah, I know what you mean. clearly within the story, Inigo and Fezzik are the real friends. Yes, that you get because they're in. Together. Yeah, that, that's it. They, the sense of history. And yes. if you don't have history in a story, you have to obviously have it transpire as the story goes along. Yeah, but that though, that, that moment never really, other than their little interplay at, at the you know the fencing scene and then yeah. the WrestleMania scene. Other than those. <laughs> Yeah, but you get a sense that they they kind of hit it off right away and they kind of click right away that they've got sure. the same intellect and uh, uh, the same soul. So, But I agree. It's funny that we see those four really as the central part of this movie and even five you include uh, Humperdinck, mm -hmm. but their time together is very, very minimal. minimal. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's, that's kind of the overall story. There's a few little things that happen in between storyline-wise, but... Uh, that's the core of it. That's great. I am glad that 33 minutes in the synopsis is over. <laughs> this is a throwback to when we I know this is old school, first started the show and I took half the show. to do I, I love that you say first start of the show. Like you would like, you don't have to go back to like episode 70 <laughs> or episode 90. I'm talking episode 20. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe 30. <laughs> yes. Cause I, I never, ever interrupted any of your synopsis synopses. <laughs> And thus never. drag them out for an hour and a half. Never, never. Okay, so what what do you want to target first? I'm going to give you the floor. Okay, so I actually, I, I have notes for this, which is not difficult for me because I've seen this movie many times. Mm -hmm. uh, I own it both on DVD and on VHS tape because I sought it out. I found it on VHS tape just so I could own it from its heyday. But one of the things that struck me is I had, I never really watched, because the DVD that I have doesn't really have a lot of extras. Mm -hmm. It's just the movie and I think it's just the trailer. I don't, I don't oh, wow. know, but okay. um, it's, it's a real, it was one of the $5 ones, $5 bins. So um, nothing extra, but in preparation for the show, I actually watched some of the extras like interviews because recently they had a reunion of all of the characters for this uh, movie, because a lot of them went on to great things, mm -hmm. other things that were bigger than this. And so they pulled together a reunion and I actually had as a photograph up on my Facebook for a while, they recreated a scene or not really um 
each of their characters all together mm-hmm. as a reunion homage to the movie. Mm-hmm. And they had a photograph of Andre the Giant and a photograph of Peter Falk because mm-hmm. they were they've actually passed away. But it was so nowadays it, it's resurged because it became such a cult hit. Um, and one of the things that I didn't realize in this is, of course, I was a fan of Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, going back to our episode. It's the one we did with Hulk Hogan. Oh, no holds barred, bro. No holds barred, yeah. Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, going back to our discussion there where we were, you and I were WWF fans, right? So Andre the Giant, big wrestling star, uh, well-known because he was enormous. He literally was an enormous guy. Yeah. But watching some of the behind the scenes or some of the interviews with the cast of this movie nowadays, it it really makes me want to get to know who he was, because some of the I mean, some of the things they said, like there was an interview with Mandy Patinkin and he said one of the most moving moments in this movie uh, making it was he was on the boat when they were running away with the princess. Right. And they were in that it was almost like a really big rowboat but it had the sail in it. He said he was in the boat with, with Andre and the only other person in the boat was like the script writer or not the script writer, the, um, someone in charge of the script, someone else. And, and she had asked him, you know, what's, um, are you enjoying it? Are you having a good time? Cause this was his first movie, first acting role anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, besides WWF, which is not acting, that's all real. He sat and he said, I love it because nobody looks at me. And Mandy Patinkin said, on the set, with everyone here, he was just one of the guys. And there was actually a later interview, of a piece with him, where they actually talked to Andre, and this was back on set. So he was in costume and everything. And he said, they don't, he said, it's hard to be big, because they don't change anything for big people. He said, they change things for people who are blind, or they change things for people who are, are deaf, but they don't change things for people who are big. He said big people and little people get shorted or something like that. No pun intended. Uh, Yes. Right. Um, But it was just, it was so moving and every person they interviewed about him just talked about what a wonderful human being he was and how kind and caring and, and cool he was. And so that just struck me and I didn't, I never really realized that. And I, I'd like to go back and learn more about who he was as a person. Well, this may turn into the Andre, the giant tribute hour, <laughs> but as you were pointing all that awesome information out, I'm going through his, uh, Imdaba trivia page. A, yeah. he weighed 520 pounds. And despite losing a few inches and what guy hasn't dealt with that <laughs> due to back problems, even that, even with his posture affected, he was six foot 10. Yeah. And they talked about, uh, in these interviews, they talked about his back problems filming the movie. They said that his back problems were so bad. Robin Wright, uh, in her interview, Mm -hmm. said she weighed barely 100 pounds in this movie. Mm -hmm. And that scene where she falls from the window and they kind of have her dress flowing and then she drops into his arms. She said he could not hold her up. (laughs) So his back was so bad at that point because he had this was at the end of his wrestling career. And uh, just because of his size and his height, um, as a lot of people that are excessively big like that. Um, even the guy that's in the Ripley's museum is like the tallest man mm-hmm. had terrible knees and yeah, terrible. He's like nine back. foot or whatever close to that. Yes. Right. 
um, because it puts a lot of stress on your uh, on your joints. And so she said he could not hold her up. And then every other person kind of referenced the fact that when they did the rope climbing scene, uh, they had to have all these special harnesses that didn't put any weight on Andre. Mm -hmm. um, even the fighting scenes with uh, Carrie Oles, when they, when he was kind of doing that wrestling piece, mm -hmm. they even had to kind of manipulate that to look like it was really holding him, uh, because he couldn't do it much because his back was so bad. Interesting side note was a collector of fine wines and an expert card player. I believe <laughs> really? the card. I believe the card player, because how hard would it have been to hide his cards in that in those <laughs> mitts? Good Lord. Yeah, it's funny because Robin said that when they were filming the part of the movie in the fire swamp, it was winter, I guess, so it was cold. Mm -hmm. And she said he would put his hand on her head. The back of his hand would be completely down at the base of her skull, and his fingers would come down to her cheekbones. <laughs> his hand would completely engulf wow. her head. And she said it kept her head warm because his hand would just wrap around her skull. Wow. <laughs> Dude. And some of the some of the shots, some of the um, like the uh, marketing shots of the movie where they had uh, Vincini as the small guy and then standing behind him was uh, Inigo mm -hmm. and then Andre was behind him and Andre's hands are kind of around uh, or on Inigo's shoulders. Mm -hmm. They wrap completely oh, around his neck. Yeah, and, they're massive. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, they cover his shoulders and chest. Not to bring everything completely down, but according to this, at the time of his death, he was in Paris to attend his father's funeral. Oh, God, that sucks. That sucks. Although, although this this particular one I love. NFL legend Ernie Holmes got hot-headed backstage at a WWE taping in 19—screw uh, that, WWF <laughs> taping in 1986, because that's what it was called then. Yep. Andre the Giant muttered to him, and you just hear it too, muttering it. You know, yeah. you talk too much. And Holmes never said a peep after that. According to two people in the van, when it happened, it was rehearsal for the Battle Royale at WrestleMania 2. Holmes was talking about how tough he was, and Andre got tired of hearing about it. You just picture <laughs> Andre the Giant just sort of leaning over. You yes. Know, you talk too much. <laughs> yes, sir. And he just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the stories that uh, Mandy Patinkin told was that um, uh, Wallace Shaw was deathly afraid of heights, like terribly afraid. So they of put heights. him up on Andre's shoulders, and he'd get vertigo. No, they said when they put him in the harness to do the scene where he climbs mm -hmm. up uh, cliffs of insanity. Yes, which by the way were actually the cliffs of Dover. That was real cliffs. <laughs> they put them in the harness. They said they got two inches off the ground and. Wallace is, is almost passed out. He's he's and he was he's they said he was really nice about it. He was so concerned that he was going to ruin the movie and that it was going to be a big issue that they said Andre reached his hand down and kind of pets him like he's a child because <laughs> the difference between the two is half. Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. You'll be OK. And they and he just kind of like put his hand on his back and rubbed his shoulder. And he said after that. Wallace never said another word and was just completely calm and was okay the whole rest. Part of, part of that's because he had actually crapped his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and once you've defecated yourself in public, there's really no turning back from that. You just have to go silent and just <laughs> hope they blame the dog. The only other but, story that's even better than the other one, because this is fantastic, and according to Imdaba, in the mid-1970s while visiting Montreal, and who doesn't, Andre was in a bar drinking when four drunken men came in recognized him, and started to taunt him. FYI, side note, uh, uh, just, just a bit of an aside here from yours truly, 
What are you, a moron? <laughs> After patiently trying to avoid a confrontation, Andre finally got fed up and chased the four men out into the parking lot. When the four men got into their car, Andre simply grabbed the car, turned it over onto its roof with the four men inside, and left. Yep. <laughs> Should have seen that one coming, Drunky McDrunkerson. Drunky McDumbass. <laughs> yeah, good lord. See, I can at least accept if you're a mugger and you try to uh, jump Patrick Swayze, because he's a skinny bit, and you don't think, all right, this guy's got mad martial arts skills. Yeah, he's not. He's going to go but Roadhouse you know, on me. Oh, those yeah. you haven't seen Roadhouse, in which case. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you know, I can I can accept that. He's, you know, he's not a big guy. You don't walk into a bar and decide you're going to take hey, on. Look, there's Andre the Giant. Let's be more. Five hundred and what? Hey, guys, who else has a death wish? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, not happening. Wow. Uh, so anyway, so it just made me really want to go back and look into more stuff about who he was and where he came from and. Uh, the the person he was because I really only ever knew him from this and WWF. Uh, and, yep. and wrestling yeah yep. me too as probably most people do and I know, uh, it's it's a, some re- that's one of the things about this movie I probably haven't seen it as many times as you have but every time I have seen it it always makes me smile when he comes on screen every time it does and every he's time. funny he, and uh, Rob Reiner talked about it. he he because he had never acted he had a very natural style yeah uh, and he was kind of funny you know so yes he was yes he was. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that was kind of an Arnold. Yeah, it was kind of, well, you know, it's easy. <laughs> and actually, apparently, they tried to get Arnold to play Fezzik when they were trying to make this movie back in the 70s. Ooh! Although Andre the Giant, William Goldman, who wrote this, you know, it's based on a book that he wrote. Yep. yep. He wa- he always wanted Andre the Giant to play Fezzik. And they could, for whatever reason, the 70s, they couldn't get him. So then yeah. they were going to get Schwarzenegger. Well, long story short, movie doesn't happen until much later. But by 87, they can't afford Schwarzenegger. But Andre, oh, yeah. Andre was available. So there it is. Oh, so it worked out. Indeed. Very nice. So do you have any other uh, interesting things you'd like to point out? I assumed you have a copious notes. I had plenty. Uh, there are all kinds of other cameos in it when, you know, we would be uh, absolutely remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that Billy Crystal. And there's our word. I need to take a ding, 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 ding. We used remiss. Did uh, Billy Crystal and Carol Kane are in this movie, um, which at the time I remember being a huge deal because Billy Crystal was a was Liar! he's still gigantic. There's so many places one could go with that, but I'm not stupid <laughs> enough to do it. So. Um, but it was a big deal when they cameoed in this because he was a big deal and he probably cost them a ton of money. Yeah, uh, to be in this movie. Well, because this is the same but, year that Throw Mama from the Train came out. Yep. Um, but Billy Crystal and Carol Kane basically play uh, these pseudo wizard alchemists, but um, herbalists who got kicked out of the castle. Miracle Max. <laughs> yes. And uh, has the thing against Humperdinck. But he plays this very funny um, character who tries to. There's nothing, nothing as noble as true love. Except a good mutton, lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean. And- <laughs> yeah, the MLT. Yeah, and a nice MLT. That's right, mutton latest. Oh, I, I do. I did for I, whatever reason. I do love the part where there's Wesley, major spoiler, dead, laying on the table. He lifts his arm and says, "I've seen worse." <laughs> it's, it's the guy's dead, but no, <laughs> yeah. he's most. He's, he's only mostly, mostly dead. dead. Yeah, all dead. So well, Except all once. you can do then is go through their pockets and look for loose change. So. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen this a few times, haven't you? I have, and so here's the deal. I cannot watch this movie with my kids. 
<clears throat> because my kids tell me, shut up, dad, quit saying every line. <laughs> oh, really? See, my it was a reverse issue. This is the first time my kids have ever seen this movie. And literally through the whole thing, why did that happen? What does that mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why does he have six fingers? Oh, why does he want no. to kill him? Why is it? <laughs> to me, this is such a quotable movie. Um, something about the dialogue is just uh, very basic. It's not. It reminds me a little bit of the stuff in Joe versus the volcano in that it is the simple but meaningful kind of dialogue. So it's not Shakespearean. It's not, mm -hmm. uh, you know, layered. But it's so quotable yeah. that I can remember almost every line do, from this movie. Do, do you remember? Do you remember this? He distinctly said to blame. To blame, which know, we all know means, means to bluff. To bluff. So, <laughs> so you're playing cards. We're playing cards, and he and he owes you money. Liar! Oh yeah, that's Liar! that's when we get the. Liar! Liar! <laughs> get back with I gotta say, Carol Kane is woefully, woefully, woefully underappreciated as a comedian like oh, absolutely i mean she is one of the uh, there's nothing that woman has been in that i don't find her hilarious especially when a stranger calls <laughs> yes that was hilarious that was i mean hilarity ensues in the first 10 to 15 minutes of that movie but that aside but i mean seriously license to drive she's hilarious this she's hilarious scrooge oh, she's hilarious scrooge, I mean, yeah, yeah we covered scrooge she's awesome Everything the woman is in, she's funny. Yeah. I could go on for years talking about this movie. I could talk about the torture machine where it sucks the life <laughs> oh, out yeah, of you because great. it goes from one year to 50. By, by the way, FYI, I tried to explain that one to a six and seven-year-old. Yes, exactly. With the albino. I didn't have to explain uh, to my four-year-old. You know why? He just kept asking me, when is the six-fingered man going to die? I was really <laughs> concerned. Like, with a very serious face, he's like, when he, when he kill when he kill the fair man? The fair man. <laughs> um, What? I, oh, I, was like, I was like, Parky, but you know, that's, that's actually, I mean, that's not nice. I mean, even though he, <laughs> even though he killed Inigo Montoya's father and he is prepared no, to die. Oh, wait a second. So your kid was literally Fred Savage because yeah, there's oh, no, sure, the, Fred it, Savage is like, I, I crap you kill? not. No, wait, wait. I crap he's you. I crap you not. They would ask questions almost precisely <laughs> when they would cut away. And I would <laughs> say, I actually at one point turned and said, did you hear grandpa? Did you hear what he just said? <laughs> He said, you're going to let him finish the story? I actually said that. I am not making that up. Uh, when he says to Fred Savage's character, are you going to let me finish the story? It, it, I said, I turned to them and said, are you going to let him? <laughs> when he says, I should go now. Yeah, I should go you're now. You're getting worked up. I, 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 I need to leave. Excuse, excuse me, miss. I got a couple questions. Sorry, I always feel like I have to do like some Columbo line just to get into. Could you I'm, make your eye flick I, back yeah, and forth? Yeah, I actually can kind of do that a little bit. Excuse me, miss. <laughs> Got a couple questions. No, with my kids, it's much more of a they can't watch it with me around because I can't help myself. But every single line I could walk through, and it, I don't know what it is. It's, this is not this is not my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, but it's a very very fun movie for me, and yeah. it's enjoyable and it's simple. I'm glad we did this one right after Joe versus the volcano because it is a very similar movie for me in that the way that I discovered it, it was much like the, mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't even know this was a movie. And I just started watching it kind of offhand. I'd never heard of it before. And I fell in love with it and liked it separate of any kind of marketing. So when did you, when did you, trailer. so when did you first see it? I don't know. It was a couple of years. It was years after it came out. I mean, I think this was definitely one of the cable TV 
reruns that you, I watched. You know what's very saying, strange? You know what's strange about what you just early said? Early 90s, maybe? But see, you know what's weird? I don't remember what I first saw, because I know I didn't see it in the theater, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, but my sense was my mom or my stepfather, somebody really liked it. And I remember, I want to say I saw it on VHS, but again, like you, it must have been probably early 90s, I'm guessing. Yeah. But I don't, it's weird. I don't, I almost feel like I was a young adult when I first saw this, but yet it's, it's a movie that feels like it's always been there. Yes. You know, you know, another, another one that reminds me the same way, the never ending wizard. Oh, sorry. No, (laughs) although that was a good one. I (laughs) dreamed of being the wizard. I wanted that Nintendo. Just so we're clear, just so clear you dreaming of being it and it being a good movie are two distinctly different things. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just wanted to be a video game champion. I don't don't think it was a good movie. No. No, I think as a kid, I went and saw it in the theater and I remember thinking, wow, really? Yeah. All I focused on was, oh, that kid's a video game phenom. I want to be just like him. And see, I I remember I liked my Nintendo. I mean, I I loved it. I did. I went through all the, I I used to French kiss my cartridges to get them to work. You know, we we had to take that. You could tip you. Do you ever do that? You you have to blow on the cartridge. Yes. <laughs> and then, or, or then, and then, and then you'd have to like, sometimes my, one of my friends told me that, and he probably, it was probably punking me, but I totally did it. He told me if you take like, the tip of your tongue and you, it would, oh. it, it got the contacts to work. So I would do that all the time. And I put it in. Actually, what? I read, I read an article probably about a month ago that talked about when you used to blow into those cartridges for your Nintendo. It was that never worked and probably shortened the lifespan of your games because the moisture would cause rust on the contact. I call that pseudoscience. You can't prove that. (laughs) No, no. So I, and I also remember I was under the impression because it got to a point where you would push the game in and you'd have to hold it down because it just, you just, you push it in just enough that when you, what you push it like in just it enough that it, when it goes down, it's kind of jammed against the side of the console. Yes, I yeah. actually remember I used to like try to get it right to the end and then like I'd pop <laughs> yes. it. Like pop it against the plate, like pop. Yes. Like somehow that's gonna make it work better. <laughs> what a jackhole. Oh but I like my Nintendo a lot. I mean, they're not like a good game of the Duck things Hunt. our kids will will never experience. Understand. Uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I, I remember, but I don't remember being as obsessed with being like a gamer. Like I played it for a lot. I played it a lot, and I you know yeah. played for hours on in Contra, Metroid, all that great stuff. But I just I don't remember that being as big a deal to me personally. Like I liked. Oh, and, I'm and sure I, I liked the movie. I don't think I just think the movie. It didn't take me long to figure out it was bunk that the movie was crap. No, that, I never had. I didn't have a console home system until my later teens. I actually my cousins had. Oh, really? The I actually Nintendo, had one pretty young. Had, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have one. I had a, a computer that an early, like a Texas Instruments kind of computer. May, I, may I point Hunt, something out? Hunt the Wampus. One of the benefits of being a child of divorce. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Oh, Dad, I really State want this. New, it's 1988 or whatever, and I really want this new game system oh. and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't know if I could. Ah, if you and Mom just hadn't got divorced, maybe my life wouldn't be so <laughs> hard. Okay. Oh, the manipulator you could have been. <laughs> yeah, too bad that none of that crap ever worked. But I did get that. So, no, I was much more of the arcade geek. Ah. So I went to the video game arcade yeah. and the Saturday morning um, game show. And I don't remember the name. I could look it up, but it's the game show from the uh, from the eighties, late eighties, that the kids competed playing a stand up arcade game. I think you told me about this before, but I have zero memory of it. I'm going to have to look up some videos and toss it up on the uh, Forgotten Flicks 
Facebook group. Okay. Uh, put it out there. Cause I remember watching this game show and it was always kids, you know, around the 12 year old range. Yeah. And there was a, there was a, um, a game show host and they would ask questions and stuff. And then at one point they'd have to go actually play a video game, but they had like 45 seconds to, to get so much score. It was games like burger time mm. and uh, dig, dig Donkey Kong and dig dog. Yes. Dig dog was actually what, there. It was that same Hubert? Hubert. Yep. That was actually, nice. I think, in the introduction of the game was was scenes from Cubert. Nice. But um, yeah. So <clears throat> Fred Savage video games. Oh. Well, it does tie into Princess Bride technically. So that being said, <laughs> what? Let's go ahead and jump to your rating. Let's go ahead and find out what you thought of <laughs> Princess Buttercup Bride. Um. I would give this a solid five only because I think this is one that you can just watch over and over. Uh, I think it's relatively timeless. The only thing that dates this movie is the very beginning when Fred Savage is playing that video game. But overall, I think it's a cute movie. I think it's funny. Um, well done. I mean, I, my kids know what R-O-U-S's are. Yeah, we so. didn't really get into that. But yes, the R-O-U-S's. <laughs> Rodents, of, Rodents of Unusual Size. Yes. Uh, and the Fire Swamp, The Dangers of the Fire Swamp. Um, it's it's just a very base, simple movie that seems like it's there's nothing too heavy in it. There's nothing too um, intense. I mean, other than the torture scene, uh, yeah, I kind which, of forgot how rough that was because that it was got a little rough. Yeah, but the rest of it was pretty light. And, says and, the guy uh, who wasn't sitting with a four, six, and seven year old going, <laughs> Tabby, <laughs> why is he screaming? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to suck the life out of you, yes. but only one year at a time. I'm going to jack it up to 50. I don't know what it's going to do. So oh, see, me. that was a missed, unless I missed it, that was a missed opportunity. Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, who played the Six Finger Man, which I'm forgetting the actual way, it was a count. Yeah, count, count Rugen. Count Rugen, that's right. That, yep. that, because they were both, this is Spinal Tap, how awesome would he have been if he oh, said, yes. I'm going to put up to 51. He goes, it only goes to 50. And he's like, he says, no, 51. Or some, some little <laughs> take it to 11 reference. A little homage. That yeah. would have been funny. But hey, whatever. We'll let it go. <laughs> yeah, so that so was... that was, so your score is a solid five. You, in fact, would lie to the mom and pop rental shop. Yes, because okay. well, I actually own the VHS. So oh, well, yes. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it actually is from the uh, armchair theater video store down the road that never got the copy back. <laughs> it's got the sticker on it and everything. I'm going to be controversial. Kind, I'm going to be controversial. I give it a two. Hello. Continue. <laughs> I would see how hard it was to like keep from laughing. I get it like a four. What, come on. What are you high? <sighs> yeah. I, I contemplated five. But I'm like, you know, see, the thing is that it's this. I really appreciate the movie. I like it. Yeah. I want to watch it again with my kids. I don't love it, love it like some people love it, but I really appreciate it. Yes. It's it's a very cute movie. Yes. With with no flaws. But there for some people, I completely understand there's nothing that really pushes it over the top. You know what it is? It's the kind of movie I'm flipping through the channels and I stop on like USA, TBS, something like that, and mm -hmm. there's a scene that's on and I watch him as I'm like, that was great. And then I kind of just keep going. Like, I like it. I would but definitely but it's definitely okay. Here's here's what I say. It's definitely a standard for those folks who are not um, who aren't familiar with all the '80s movies. You know the best sure, movies of the sure, '80s. Sure, sure, sure. It's up there. You need to watch this. Yes. If you've never seen it, you do need to watch it. it the, you know, 
So I was just gonna say the one thing that is, and this is weird for some reason though, this movie to me, I remember when I finally did see, I was surprised it was an eighties movie and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because maybe I had at that. See, that's why I think I must have seen this later. So maybe my familiarity with Carrie Elway's was when he had done like Robin Hood Men in Tights or something. Yeah, Men in Tights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't think it was definitely before Forrest Gump. So I had seen it before Forrest Gump. So it wasn't that I brought that baggage in. But there was something. I don't know if it's because it's this period piece. It has Andre the Giant in it. And that's, giant in it, and that's very 80s. But, I don't, but other than him being in it and yeah. the initial scene with the video game yeah there's it's pretty timeless i mean that's part yeah. of what i like about it is it's there's not a lot of connection yeah. to yeah it feels like a typical 80s movie sure. but but i know what you're saying and i actually this is similar to uh the feeling i had with joe versus a volcano because that was more that was written by a playwright right so it felt like a play this one felt didn't feel like a very typical time period movie no, it just kind of skips out of that yeah i agree with you yeah. So yes, I give it a solid four because yeah. I, I really enjoy it. I like it a lot. I definitely recommend it to all sorts of folks and especially people who turn, which I still don't get that whole, uh, it's called the princess bride. Why would I want to watch that? Get over yourself. You macho <laughs> a-hole. But seriously, really? that's just dumb. Yeah. This is not a romantic. I mean, oh, it is. I mean, it's definitely that... a romance, romantic movie, but I mean, there's plenty of stuff and it's very funny. It's it just, people are just, uh, the fact that that would be your reasoning. That's idiotic. You need to have some better friends. Uh, who said they were my friends? So, no, yes. I just, <laughs> I just meant me. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you didn't want to see it? Cause, no, I'm just <laughs> All right. So would you like to uh, maybe jump over to our, uh, I keep wanting to say six picks because it's still labeled that. <laughs> our six picks minus five. That's right. <laughs> really, I've got to find the one toilet. And, and the one that added at the end. Yippee! <laughs> what is your pick? Uh, all right, so I'll start. Um, so one of the things that, as I was making notes on this and then started doing my research, I realized is there was actually this period mm -hmm. from uh, 19, early 80s, 84, I'm going to say, uh, until about... Till north. Until, until north. Until, yeah, I don't know. The American president, I, I liked. No, that's a good movie. But no, no, but North came out after that, didn't it? No, no, it was before. It was a year before. Okay. Um, All right, until fine. That, until the American president. So until 95, okay. I thought, God, Rob Reiner was a freaking genius. Yeah. And he just had hit, 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 hit. And he had these great movies, uh, one right after the other. Uh, he had, this is Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm. I've never seen The Sure Thing. Yep. Um, Stand By Me, which mm -hmm. we said that's our next film we're covering, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, yeah. North, which I've never seen, and then The American President. I and actually then, saw North in a dollar movie. I wanted my dollar back. <laughs> oh, ouch. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, I did, you know, Ghosts of Mississippi. Oh, and, no, actually, go, I thought Ghosts of that's one about Med Grabbers. That's actually not a bad movie. Not bad. Uh, Alex and Emma. Rumor has it. The bucket rumor list. I mean, he had, now listen, he had a huge. Uh, wait a minute. I know. Wait, 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 wait. Was rumor has it the one with Alec, um, Alec Baldwin and Diane Keaton? Um, I think so. Because if that's a relative, that's a relatively recent one. Was I that? think it was. No, no. I think it was Kevin Costner. Oh, then that's not the one I'm thinking of. Hold on, let me make sure. Oh, it was Jennifer Aniston and Kevin Costner. Oh, never mind. I and, was what's uh, Shirley MacLaine and Mark Ruffalo. 
Hulk was in that? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that one. I, I, I didn't see that one. That I was thinking of. I was obviously thinking of something else. I was thinking of. Come on, come on, come yeah, on. no, this one had. Yeah, that was not. No. <laughs> it knew. It wasn't. Oh, it's complicated. That's what I was thinking of. That's oh, actually yeah. cute. Yeah. No, this was that. That's a newer one, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's Meryl Streep, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's relatively new. Not, no, yeah, I don't know why I thought uh, Diane Keaton is Meryl, uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Anyway, um, but Rob Reiner had a series of hits, and I was actually a big fan of his movies. That that time period, I really liked. I love A Few Good Men. Um, uh, I love it. But my pick for this, just because it's got two connections, it's Rob Reiner, uh, but it's also Billy Crystal. I went with When Harry Met Sally. Ah. Because this is one of those few romantic comedies that I really like not because it's romantic but it just transcends uh the genre it's funny the grave you said not because it's romantic not because it's a comedy no <laughs> no because it because it doesn't i mean i know it's classified as a romantic comedy it is definitely squarely in the rom-com because it's that whole interplay between a guy and a girl and and uh the things that happen that kind of lead them astray and they come back together and there's this almost shakespearean feel to the way that things end up but it's really funny. And Billy Crystal is hilarious uh, overall, but he's really funny in this. And there's some classic scenes that are probably some of the most well-known scenes in cinema period. Yep. Uh, specifically calling out the orgasm scene when they're in the deli is a huge one, but just in general. And I like this style similar to the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan stuff that goes on. And, you know, we just covered Joe versus the volcano. So, um, it has that same feel for me. So this is one that I really do enjoy. I don't own it, but I, I could watch it again easily. So okay. Rob Reiner directed it in the, I think it was what year after 89. Two, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I think we have it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's the next movie yeah. after princess bride that he did. Um, he did misery right after, which God, I love that movie. So there's a bit of a switch, um, which that movie, I like it. I love James Caan. I love, uh, uh Kathy Bates. That book is the first book I ever remember in my life reading it in the dark. And I actually was freaking out. Like I was waiting for her to jump out of a couch. Interesting side note. Did you know that supposedly King was going to release that as one of his pseudonym Richard Bachman books? Really? But he had been outed as Richard Bachman right uh, beforehand and he ended up doing the dark half which is a, sort of about a yep. you know that whole thing so but i thought it was interesting because it's like you wonder had he done that with misery would it have been the hit it was would they have made the movie they made would any of that transpired had it come out as a richard bachman book i say no because yes gonna... the running man did but how it was written back in the 70s and yeah i was gonna say i my bet is they would have made it but much later and i think if i'm not mistaken he had had he already been ousted as Bachman by the time Running Man got made, though, because of all the Bachman write, books. Okay, but but Stand by Me was eighty six. That's when the movie came out. He wrote that. It was four seasons. Yes, that was from the that anthology. The the four book, seasons, yeah, and it had four stories in it. Yep, right, that's yep. the one that had the, the body. Uh, the yep, the body pupil. Yep, uh, yep, the body at pupil and the body. Yep, I don't remember what, what the other ones were. Two? I don't remember. That only... pupil was the one where the kid finds the, the Nazi. Nazi. Yep. Um, they made it with a movie with Brad Renfro and Ian McKellen, which is actually Brian Singer directed it. It's a really good movie. Disturbing. Is it? Very disturbing, yep. but it's a good movie. Yeah. The story is incredibly disturbing. Yeah. Um, and then I remember the body because I read that after the movie came out. But um, but he did. Didn't he write those under Stephen King? Yes. Those. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Those, I think but- I actually bought that in the re-released version after the movie had come out. They re-released it with the cover that had the uh, the guys from the movie in it, but um, or or the quote or something that yeah. says from the hit Hollywood movie, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't buy it originally. I wasn't a, a Stephen King fan before the movies came out, but um, yeah, I don't think Misery would have been as big, but I think they would have definitely done it later. Yeah. Uh, once, but, but if he had been, but let's, but this is sort of that. What if he had never been outed as Richard Bachman? Would, yeah. It, would would the Running Man? Would Misery? Would any of those had been made? I don't know. That's a good point. And I certainly think at the caliber, the mis- celebrity, especially the caliber that they were made for the time. Oh yeah, they, I don't think they would have got James Caan and Kathy Bates kind of thing. And even and, even the Running Man is questionable as to quality of the movie. Still, Schwarzenegger at his prime. <laughs> yes, that was an expensive movie, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, How do you know it's good? It's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. So says the mailman. <laughs> yeah. The postman, the mailman. Which one was the Kevin Costner one? Oh, cost oh, the postman. Yes. All of us have tried to block that one out. Oh, so God. my picks, I actually have two. I'm going to, I'm going to. <laughs> You're have, doing a twofer? I'm doing a twofer. So mine's a six picks minus four. Minus four. All right, hit me. First one up is going to be the obvious one. I could have sworn I picked this one, but I actually searched the freaking site and I couldn't find where I didn't. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Waiting for Guffman from 1996. Oh, okay. Have Got you, it. Have you Got seen? It. Have you seen Waiting for Guffman? Yes, Christopher. Uh, Christopher Guest. Yes, and um, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what was the other guy Fred, that was in it? Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Parker Posey. Pretty much all the people that are in all of those Christopher Guest. Eugene mock- Levy. Yeah. Yeah. All those mockumentary. You know, Michael Hitchcock, Larry Miller, Don Lake, David Cross. They're all in this freaking movie. <laughs> it, it was actually, if I'm not mistaken. Other than this is Spinal Tap, it was the first, it was definitely the first mockumentary, I believe, that Christopher Guest directed. And he stars in it as Corky St. Clair, I believe is his name. And it is the the quick synopsis from Imdaba is an aspiring director and the marginally talented amateur cast of a hokey small town Missouri musical production go overboard when they learn that someone from Broadway will be in attendance. And it is freaking hilarious. Wet your pants. Funny. Yeah. This one in Best in Show, in my opinion. I actually like the this one in Best in Show better than this is Spinal Tap, which I realize he didn't direct, but he obviously had a lot of creative input on that one. I think this yep. is Spinal Tap has really funny moments in it, and I enjoy it. But I think this one in Best in Show, I better. overall find them much, yeah, yeah, they're just hilarious. Top to bottom. And I love Eugene Levy. I, I love Eugene and, and, there's some really crappy movies he's been in, but his parts are really funny. Yes, he's, <laughs> he he always has a uh, interesting way of delivering the goods. He's, he does. He's very yeah, so. Waiting for Guffman, 1986, and then my other one. This is the truly forgot. This may be, I don't know. This is definitely up there as one of the most quote unquote forgotten flicks that we may be have ever recommended ever. Wow. I'm gonna Which throw it. I probably won't have heard of it. So. I, I, if you have, if you go, dude, I've seen that. I'm gonna literally crap my pants. <laughs> Get the teepee ready. Okay, ready? Yep. Vanya on 42nd Street from 1994. <laughs> uh, I didn't make that up. I'm gonna say no. Okay. I don't recognize the title. Okay. I picked it because Wallace Shawn stars in it as uh, as Vanya. It's actually based on Chekhov's play Uncle Vanya. It oh was, yes, yes. Okay, it, it's an 
I don't uh, wait, I, wait, I say yes because I was a huge Chekhov fan. I've read the story. Well, really, really, really back when we were teenagers, who wasn't? <laughs> I really was. <laughs> I had a whole collection of his short stories. I read. And <laughs> I read. So, so tell us, tell us, Mr. Groms, when you first, when you first touched, touched the female blessed, <laughs> you were 30. <laughs> I read Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky no less than five times. And I'm oh talking about a physical God. book. <laughs> read it, I would have. There's no way. I, my ADD would have kicked in in the first paragraph. Eric, Anna Karenina. You er, didn't read Anna that. Karenina. Chekhov's The Kiss. Nope. That whole collection of short stories, The Kiss. You didn't read The Kiss? Nope. <sighs> but I saw right. Vanya on 42nd Street at the Tampa Theater. <laughs> Tell me about the movie. <laughs> it is. The, the synopsis in its simplest form is New York actors rehearse Chekhov's Uncle Vanya in a dilapidated theater. That's basically all it is. Now, interesting side note, it stars Wallace Shawn. Yep. It also starred Julianne Moore in one of her first movie roles. Nice. Okay. It also starred George Gaines, also known as Commandant Lassard. <laughs> From the Police Academy yes. movie. And this is a, it was directed by Louis Mallet. Okay. So we're talking about big time French artsy fartsy director starring Commandant Lassard. <laughs> How awesome is that? that? That doesn't seem to quite fit. And so. Brooke Smith, which interesting random connection. Ready? Brooke Smith. Well, I would say star. She really star in, but she appeared in 1991 Silence of the Lambs, one of my favorite freaking movies ever. Love that movie, right? Wait, was she the girl in the well? Yes. It, it puts the lotion in the basket. Shin on the skin. Yes, yes, I remember that. Okay, nice. Very nice. Impressive. Very good. So she is in this as Sonia. Julianne okay. Moore years later would go on to replace Jodie Foster's Clarice in Hannibal. Wow. How you like nice. how you like them apples for a connection? So what are the odds this is on Netflix? Uh it's not, but it's on YouTube. Oh, excellent. Yes, it Vanya is. Vanya on 42nd Street, yes, like now, Miracle I, on Yes, Vanya on 42nd Street, because they're actually in an old dilapidated theater on 42nd Street. And now here's what's this is, I saw this movie when it was released at the Tampa Theater. Very limited release. I was, you know, 94. Think about that. That's my senior year in high school, and this is what I took my then girlfriend, future <laughs> wife to see. You took a date? Heather. Were you already married? No. Uh. She, that's, I, that's how I knew she was a keeper. She you tried everything this. you could to get rid of her, didn't you? She, no, she sat, through, she sat through this and Jurassic Park about 10 times with me. So <laughs> that's how you know they're a keeper right there. This movie, I remember really enjoying, and this is also when I was still, I was you know, get, earning my chaps as being like this foo-foo wannabe pretentious Dill hole filmmaker wannabe. So it's like, oh, I saw Vanya on 42nd Street. Did you see? Oh, no, you didn't. Of course not. Only those that are in the know saw Vanya on 42nd Street. But it's actually not like it, it's, it could be that way. It's not. My memory was it actually is an interesting movie because you're seeing them go through this rehearsal. They're dressed in their regular street clothes, but they play. I don't know why I just slipped into a Bill Clinton. Just then. They're street clothes. They all, I'm just going to do the rest of this. <laughs> so they get in their street clothes. All right. And then, and then wait for it. Wait for it. Shenanigans happens. That's right. So anyway, yeah. So I remember being very entertaining that it's 
almost like you're seeing behind the curtain, behind the veil a little bit of how these really, yeah. really great actors act. And I, I want to say, I was looking at the, the cast. I know he's in it. Andre Gregory, the actor who was starred with Wallace Shawn in a very, very famous movie that virtually no one has ever seen. <laughs> they love to talk about it. But My Dinner with Andre, you've heard of that one? Yes. It's, yep. it's sort of the classic go-to example of whenever they tell fledgling screenwriters how you don't make, because so many screenwriters think, oh, I'll just make a movie where people talk. And they always say, look at My Dinner with Andre. It's like, yeah, except those guys knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, and a lot of people thought of this as almost being a pseudo sequel to that, but it wasn't. It's nothing like that. So, but it's interesting because all of these actors doing, even George Gaines, I mean, it's, he's definitely not Lassard in this. And uh, interesting, interesting side note is it, for the movie version, it was adapted by uh, David uh, Mamet, who is uh, in his own right, a fantastic playwright, but he also <laughs> wrote Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, The Untouchables, uh, Ronin with Robert wow. De Niro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Heist with Gene Hackman, which I freaking love that. He's a lot of great movies. Great, great, great writer. Okay. So that and director. He's gone on to be a great director, too. So the point being, it's got all of these cool pieces that looking back, I watched the trail and like had forgotten about all that stuff. I'm like, holy crap. I need to watch this now as an adult who doesn't have his head shoved up his ass totally. <laughs> I can at least breathe like a little bit. Yeah. This sounds like something that should have. Steven Tobolowski in it. Yes. Bingo. It absolutely does. Like he is yes. the stage yes. actor. Yes. But there's the this thing. Fun it, that's what you, you it's it. so funny you say that after watching the trailer. I actually thought in something else I read in the I actually I said I did homework. I actually went on like the Wikipedia page to refresh myself with what Uncle Vanya was about. And 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 as I was reading through stuff, I'm like, I could see this whole thing being a Tobolowski file story. That, that was, but it's not funny or anything. I mean, well, I guess it is. There's humor in it, but in that Chekhov kind of way. <laughs> so it's not like, yes. oh, 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 look, it's a fart joke. It's a dick joke. <laughs> oh, look at Jim Carrey pull out his own urethra. This is hilarity. <laughs> Nothing like that. But <laughs> I think it's recommendable. <laughs> so Vanya on 42nd Street, the most hoity toity pretentious forgotten pick in the history of forgotten flicks. Yay. That's Go and team. The only thing that could have been worse if you had picked some odd French impressionist early silent with eyeballs coming out of armpits or something. One of the or or a sliced eyeball like uh, uh, uh was it uh, ancient ancient Angelou? I can never pronounce it right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andalusian dog. I know that's the translation. The Salvador Dali Louis Bunuel film. Go check that oh, one out, oh. kids, and enjoy the eyeball slicing scene. <laughs> In close up. Just make a call to your therapist before you start watching the movie. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> my fine feathered friend, a couple of quick little side notes before we have you dump the information overload on them. I think without going into it in depth, because, you know, there's all the media horrors to do that. <clears throat> Sorry. Little slip of the psyche. Uh, but I do want to, by the time this episode is aired, or a few days yep. afterwards, I think we yep. both can acknowledge that Robin Williams has passed. There's a hole yeah. in the world. It sucks. And it makes me want to cry even mentioning it now. So that being said, thoughts out to his family, the people who actually need it, and uh, all the people who can't leave them alone and everything. There's a special place in hell. So that's just my take on it. Uh, any, anything no, I, you, want, you want to add to that? <laughs> uh, yes, I agree. And over this past weekend and, and the last couple of days of the week, it's surprising. And you and I talked about this a little bit. 
and I've heard this from a lot of people, his passing hit me harder than any other person I don't know who died, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I don't, I've never met him. I don't know him. But some of the work he has done has touched me in a, in a way that really makes me sad that he's gone. And Not in a creepy way. No. <laughs> I grew up with Robin Williams and so many of the movies that I, I define as some of my favorites and just the performances and the things he's done. Um, it was a real loss. The world lost a great human being. And, and I know that uh, uh, depression is a serious disease and it's very difficult and it's easy to judge. Uh, I guess the best thing we can take from it is just, you know, reach out to the people, you know, and, and, uh, focus on the people you love, uh, give them everything you can, but it, uh, Hollywood didn't just lose a star. The, the, uh, the Milky way lost a star. Yep. So yep. sad, sad that he's gone. I've watched more Robin Williams movies in the last three days than I have. I, I, I almost <laughs> actually, what dreams may come. I found a DVD when I was out. And then oh, I don't know if I can watch that, that one, one. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, I, can't, I don't can't, know. Can't do that right now. And then no. there's actually on Netflix streaming right now is a stand-up act he did in 2009. So it's relatively recent. And wow. I, almost, I almost watched it last night. And then I just, I just, I'm going to, I really want to watch it soon. But then I don't know. It, it, part of me thinks, well, you know what? Screw that. He would totally want people to still laugh. And I mean, I'm oh, still, yeah. I don't want to speak for the guy, but you know what I mean? I feel like that's what he would want. That's what I would want. So I, I don't know. I, I will. I will watch it. So I know that that's out there. There's a there's some stuff on Netflix. So surprisingly minimal, a minimal amount of stuff. But oh, yeah. and and also on the Forgotten Flicks page. I don't know if you saw this yet. I found on YouTube actually the day it happened, somebody posted the original a recording from the album, the LP. Remember I told you about reality? What a concept. Oh yeah, yeah. And I posted that YouTube link onto our face. So if you want to go try to get into the uh, Forgotten Flicks uh, Facebook group. It's it's a closed group, you know. We're a private bunch, and but we will totally let you in. Actually, there's somebody I need to let in right now. For some reason, I don't know what happened. So we get to the last five shows, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to get in. Really, really? <laughs> now? Because you just want to be there collectively. Go, good riddance. So, <laughs> but no, seriously, come join us. It's great. But that's posted there, and that's the only way you can apparently get my <laughs> YouTube link <laughs> for reality. What a concept! The 1979. Con the audio concert extravaganza that was Mr. Robin Williams. On that note, one final thing, which is the all new brand spanking new voicemail feedback line. I mentioned it last episode. He said, getting ready to record it for last episode as soon as this <laughs> episode is over <clears throat> before it goes out on Wednesday. But said voicemail feedback line, if you would like to leave us voicemail feedback for the following two things. Our last official non spooky flicks fest show, which is stand by me, which is the next yep. one recording. We yep. will be recording Rob flick. You know, the Rob <laughs> Reiner flick. We will be recording that two weeks from today. Yep. Is that It'll come right? out two weeks from today. No, no, no. Yeah. Cause if they're listening, they're listening now, it's going to come out two weeks oh, after. Crap, so crap. you're right. So if they're hearing this, <laughs> if you're hearing this, you know, what, you're, screw that. you're too late. Stand by me's past. If you're hearing this though, <laughs> it is not too late to get us feedback for our three primary spooky flicks fest movies that we're focusing on do you want to tell them what they are jay do you remember uh jaws jaws totally forgotten flick we really have to cover that one nobody no, nobody remembers that one go nobody knows that this is by this little known uh um he really never director. went anywhere i know he did some tv work small some, small some tv stuff and yeah uh shit i forgot the others 
it's appropriate considering there's three of them. Uh, invasion, I, was thinking, I was fixated on Jaws because I, I wanted to do that movie forever. Invaders from Mars, the remake by Toby Hooper. Yep, yep, okay. And, Remember that one. and again, in our classic way that apparently only we can manage, unintentionally, we realized, <laughs> hey, what's the third movie we could pick that have Spielberg and Toby Hooper connected? Oh, <laughs> Poltergeist. So, yes, we actually picked all of them. And then I looked at Jason and was like, you realize something? <laughs> We do. We do this unintentionally, intentionally. It's, it's it really is weird. But, it must be. Yeah. So, yeah. So those three movies, Jaws, yep. Invaders uh, from Mars, the 86 version, yep. and, and the, Poltergeist. Not the remake. Which hasn't come out yet. Out. Yes. Yep. But no, the, you want to leave feedback for that. That should be amusing. So please do. Great. The voicemail feedback line for any of those is 206-736-7460. One more time. That's 206 206- Seven three six seven four six zero, and uh, theoretically, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I would assume long distance charges may apply. So be aware of that. I don't know, but you know how much it would be, but just be aware of that. So leave a message. It, you know, I think it lasts for a couple minutes. So, uh, Tom, if you're out there, <laughs> <laughs> I remember your feedback, buddy. And yes. <laughs> Any, anybody wants to leave feedback for those? And then, of course, for our final farewell, last hurrah, just in the voicemail, say, oh, this is meant to be for your very, very final show, and then leave a message if yeah, you want I, And, and I, I'd like to comment on that. I'd love to hear from everybody because uh, our final show, we're really just kind of wrapping it up and uh, saying our thank yous and kind of reminiscing about all the stuff we've done over the last, God, four years, which I can't handle that. But uh God, think about, think about when we started this, you were just entering your fifties and me in my twenties. <laughs> so weird. So much you've learned since then. I know. Um, but so great to have an old le- man for leave a Leave us your feedback about the show overall, what it's meant to you over the years, uh, your favorite moments. Cause I'm going to try and actually dig back through a whole bunch of episodes. Uh, as many as I can stomach before we do that <laughs> final show, uh, because I really want to kind of go back to and talk about some of my favorite memories. So um, if you have some, Give us a call, leave us some feedback, and we'll play it on our final episode. Absolutely. Uh, which may or may not be like three hours long. So or, we, or, or 20 minutes if you don't call in. Yeah, yeah. You know, whichever, we're good. It's all good. So, yeah, so one final time, it's 206-736-7460. And if you go to ForgottenFlix.com, or else I'm not doing your job, Jay. If you go to ForgottenFlix.com, it's, I put it on the sidebar as well. So it's there. Excellent. Yep. Um, and you can find us at as uh, Joel mentioned at forgottenflix.com, you can find all of our contact information there uh, as well as a whole bunch of other content and all of our old episodes and all of the awesome reviews by Peter Nielsen uh, and a bunch of other junk that we've done over the years. Yeah, so it's great site. Paggy, uh, P- Paggy. Wow. Paggy is Peter and Maggie mixed together. And I don't know why I did that. Cause <laughs> you said, Peter, Maggie, awesome yes. show art from Kevin, which of course, Kevin, we always have to say thank you. And JV, thank you to you too, even though we aren't using your spoiler, spoiler alert at the moment. And, uh, let's see, Sherry, who else? Uh, it's some guy wrote something about some cheesy movies or something. Some reviews. I have no idea. Deep, you're talking deep about. fried cheese balls or something. I have no idea. Nobody ever talks about, uh, attack of the killer shrews. So with, especially with love and admiration. like you <laughs> So yeah, so there's all sorts of cool stuff over there. Go check it out. David Umbricht. Everybody, they're Everybody. all there. They're all there, waiting stuff. for you, waiting for you. Tastes kind of weird. Does kind of <laughs> weird. Does kind of weird the way it tastes. Yeah. So Jay, <laughs> would you like to have any final, final, final words? Oh, in the dread pilot, Roberts. My men are here. 
I am here, but soon you will not be here. Thank you for saying that. How the hell could he have survived being engulfed in flames like that? <laughs> would have sucked all the oxygen out. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It was a Holocaust cloak. <laughs> Is that really what they called it? Yes, but I thought that just meant that he brought it with him from the Holocaust. I didn't know that meant Ouch. fire until much later. Ouch. But there's really those kind of jokes. I, mean, I had to rethink this whole my whole rating for this movie. What? <laughs> Just on that moment, the fact that you brought that up. Oh, but then of course you also have Mowage. <laughs> I 